You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. All right, we do a thing here called the Transformation Trek. Um, it's a monthly theme where we explore a way of Jesus. And uh, the idea came out of probably COVID, uh, where people were not attending as regularly. And while we love you here weekly, um, I wanted some things that we could chew on through the whole month, some things that our, what we call our small tables could explore the whole month together as an ongoing theme. And after all, I say it all the time, but when you get to heaven, it's not an exam that you have to pass. He actually asks us to live life. It's an invitation to do life with him. And so the whole idea is this journey together, exploring the ways of Jesus. And this morning, we kick off the year with one that I is really, really close to my heart for this church this year. Somewhere I want to really probably dive deeper into this this year, and it's abide, this word abide. But first of all, I want to talk about maths and cards, of course. Uh, do you know, and this is, I was unsure of this analogy, we'll see if it sticks. <laughs> but do you know there's no such thing and there are math teachers in the room, and so please don't correct me. We can correct after. But I believe that there's no such thing or they can't actually... That is a random number generator. Is that right, Mr. Criddle? That a random number can't be generated? Um, I got used your teacher name for a teacher question. But, um, and what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. I take a pack of 52 cards right now and I shuffle them. And then I ask you to give me, the, as I show each card, I ask you to guess the combination that I've now shuffled. Normal cards, 52 cards, no tricks. And you have to guess each card and get all 52 right. Do you know the chances of getting that right, that whole combination? No? Well, if you actually do, that's impressive because I've been researching. That's the only reason I know. It's 8 times 10 to the power of 67. That's not likely that you're going to get all 52 cards right as I show you them. However, unlikely, but not random, still exists in a system. There's no way a standard pack of cards, I'm going to show you a card and it's going to be a banana. Or there's no way I'm going to shuffle the cards and the second card is going to be a unicorn on a unicycle. It's not going to be random. It's going to be one of those 52 cards. So in, although it's improbable, very, very improbable, you could still guess it. It's in a system. There's still 52 cards. It exists. There's no such thing as a random number generator because it always exists in the system. Can't be completely random. And whether you like that analogy or agree or that's just thrown you for the rest of the sermon... I've been thinking about this lately around we all exist. Life exists in a system. It is not random. Things happen to us, yes. Hard things happen to us. We can't choose the family we're born into. Things unpredictable happen to us. But when it comes to how we choose to respond, when it comes to the life choices we're making, when it comes to the system we're creating around ourselves, it is not random. And so if you get nothing else from this analogy is who you're becoming right now is not random. 
It is made up of, and we're going to talk about these things that are forming us. You are not on a trajectory that is random. Even things that are unpredictable that happen to us, how we process them is not random. We exist in some sort of system. How we respond, how we choose to spend our time, our energy, our resource on this life will shape us. Therefore, who you are today is not random. Who you are becoming is certainly not random because we exist in a system. And I would say a very, very clever, dangerously clever formational system we live in. The world is very good at creating a system for you to be formed. Very, very good. With every beep, bop, ring, click, view, action, conversation, comment and story you hear and tell, you are being shaped. It's forming who you are becoming. With every new piece of tech, game or streaming service it, that is crying for your attention. Again, I'm not saying all these things are evil. Just know they are shaping you. They are creating a system. With all likelihood, every single person here is being shaped into something, into someone. Paul in Romans, uh, over 2,000 years ago, he calls this out in Romans 12. He says this, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He knows this world has a pattern and it wants you in it. Can you imagine if we could, Bill and Ted, a time machine here and bring Paul out and tell him, mate, 2,000 years later, we'll have targeted algorithms that are becoming more intelligent, literally sucking all the information out and then just aiming at our attention. This is not conspiracy. This is just like fact. Most brain scan, my understanding is most brain scan um, facilities are not being take, are taken up by marketing. <laughs> Most of them are used, are hard to get to because the marketing guys are trying to, trying to find out how to just target you. Again, not always evil, but you've got to admit they're targeting you, they're forming you. <laughs> what would Paul say then about the patterns of this world? Whether simply, and it's probably just simply to distract you, comfort you, Honestly, mostly to sell your product, a lifestyle. I think today we don't get sold products and lifestyles. We do, of course we do. But we get sold identities. You'll be happy. I said you will be free or complete when you buy, live or become, insert product or identity here. Wait till you, it used to kind of be wait till you get this washing machine, then life will be better. Now And then it was wait till you can go on holidays more, then it'll be better. And then kind of now underneath it all, it's once you become this person, this identity, then it will be better. Then you'll be free, then you'll be happy. Very clever, but very dangerous. Whether you like it or not this morning, as you sit in church, you are being formed. Everyone is being formed. Everyone everywhere is being formed. If you don't agree... Love that conversation. That's fine. But you are being targeted. You are being formed. Even those that say, I'm not being formed, they're being formed. Have you ever noticed every niche group that is rebelling all look the same? So my day, I know I'm way out of loop, but my day, the sort of goths at Australia Fair, they were all rebelling against society. I'm not knocking you. If that was you. I had the emo fringe, so let's not, no judge. But they all look the same. <laughs> we're all rebelling against the norm. 
But we all look exactly the same. We're all being formed, even when we're saying we're not being formed, we're being formed. To put it in church language, we are all disciples of something. We are all disciples. Question is this morning. This is the question for the year. This is the question really sits on me heavy for 2024. Not are you a disciple? The answer is yes. Who are you a disciple of? Now, I know if I was to say it, 80% of you would know the answer. You'd all go, Jesus. And you'd be right. That's good. That's the right answer. But I'm actually not looking for the, I'm not looking to lead a church that just knows all the correct answers. My heart for Burley Heads Church of Christ is to be a church that is active in that, living in that. A community that's living in that truth, enjoying the ways of Jesus and in our entire life, not just answering good quizzes. So this morning, just step back. I know you know the answer. But really think about this season. Who are you really a disciple of? Maybe it's Jesus and. Or something and a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on Sunday. It's way harder. The quiz answer is way easier. I wish you kind of could go to heaven and just say the answer. And don't get me wrong, you're allowed in through Jesus. There's no, he's not going to also say, what have you done for me? Here's some tough questions I'll ask. But we get to heaven through him. Through grace, it's not through works, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But as a response to his grace, we get to live with and in his ways and truth and build what, what James Brian Smith calls in his book, well, he calls it A Good and Beautiful Life, and the book is called Good and Beautiful Life. So, so hard not to get distracted. Walk out there, turn on the radio, or look at our phone and get distracted by the formational system that is this world. It's why this morning I want to talk about abiding. Really double down this year. Talk and experience and live and wrestle with this stuff together. To complete Romans 12, it says this, Paul's encouragement. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So he says God's rescued us for a reason. He's given us eternal life and life now. He's given us purpose. He's won us back. In view of all of that, in view of what we remembered in communion this morning, we get to choose. We don't have to, but we get to choose to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. It's fun to sing, but I'm sorry, that is not all that encompasses worship. Worship is living our life in response to what God has done. Do not conform, he says, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love that. It's a good choice to make. It's perfect, and it's tailored for you. Our main passage today, let me read this. This is not just Paul's thinking. This is Jesus' thinking. Let me read this. This is our main sort of passage to explore. It says Romans 12.2 underneath because I've kept the same verse, but it's not Romans 12.2. That's a little test for anyone that noticed you've passed. It's John 15. We've been going through John as a church and this is the verse we're up to. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So you're already good guys, but remain in me and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He's talking about this vine. If you can picture it now, vine. He's the vine. He's the source. We can grow out of that. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Very harsh next bit from Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love how we sometimes take that passage out of context with a ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you like God's a genie. But he's saying in my will, when you're living in your true purpose, when you're living under my grace, when you've seen what I've done for you and you live in that, things that you could only imagine or bigger than you could only imagine happen in your life and are built in you and through you. Incredible. You bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Who wants God's joy? I would, yes, please, I hear. I would like God's joy, more of God's joy. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no, more, no, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. He's about to, this is pre-him, about to give up his life for even his non-friends, for everyone. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. It's an invitation to remain in him. He has freed you on the cross. You are free. We talked last week, if you didn't catch up last week, we talked about letting go of the guilt and shame for in preparation for this. You are free to now pick up, and he says his, his way is light. Pick up or remain in him. You've got to choose who you want to be a disciple of. Paul says it beautifully. He says God captivates him captivates his heart he admits we're captured by something the only difference church is you get to choose to be captured by jesus and his love and his way you get to be captivated you choose because he has promised he will remain in us when i say choose him i'm not even saying we turn and say come on jesus he's already there He's waiting. It's not a, hey, you come and be part of my life. No, he's waiting for you to just turn and say, what are we doing today? What are we doing today, God? 
How can I remain in you? He's already there trying to remain in you. I love Peter. Peter enforces this. One more verse to share with you around this because it's more intense. This is post the church being born, post Jesus dying and resurrecting. Peter says it really like directly and I just appreciate his take on this as well. For this, every reason, make every effort, every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities and they're increasing in measure, they will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from in their past sins. Peter, being direct, saying you'll be unproductive, unfruitful. Remember what God has done. Now grow like a vine, grow. Grow in him. Mature. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, he says it again, make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things you will never stumble you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our lord and jesus christ love those words make every effort let me be clear don't not it's not earn god loves you he has died for you he's already done he's he sat on that he sat on that cross that sound makes it sound comfortable he died on that cross and said, it is finished, it is done. As a response to that, we don't have to earn or perform. Look at me, God. We practice and we make every effort because God is good and he's been good and he will be good. So three things I'd love us to consider this morning to help us, hopefully as a tool, to make every effort. We do these booklets when we do a practice. This is Abide. That's the word Jesus used in John 15, abide in me. And it has some tools that I'd love you to explore with smaller groups. We're going to talk about that in a second. And together this year, let's make every effort to remain in his spirit. To remain in him. So three, three ways, three advice. And it's taken from a couple of thinkers. Um, it's taken, you'll see in a second, it's taken from the way Jesus made disciples but then a couple of other thinkers that have inspired this is Dallas Willard, Richard Foster, if you know these names, and then more contemporary, John Mark Comer writes a lot about this. Um, and three ways that they say can shape or create an environment or system in your life. And so the first one is this, habits. As we think through 2023, we think into 2024, what has been your habits? What have you repeatedly done because it will be shaping you? This is obvious with gym and stuff like that. If you get fit, if you get, try to get fit, go to the gym regularly, run, you're going to get fit, the habits are going to form you. But we forget when it's like, do you want to watch Netflix again tonight? I'll just look at my phone again. We forget that that is also forming us. Just really quickly, but I can give anyone the verses to do their own study on this which I'd love, and there are verses in here, but Jesus modelled this. In Luke 5, 16, we see, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You don't do things, when you do something often, that's a habit. 
So he often withdrew with Jesus. The disciples saw this. He wasn't always out there healing. He wasn't always out there preaching. He often withdrew back to God. Mark says something similar, 135, very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place. Sometimes we paint Jesus, and it's true, but that he goes where the wind goes and he was following the spirit, absolutely. But he also had intention. He was also making apprenticeships, apprentices, disciples, students. And so he had rhythms. He had intention. Luke 4.16 says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to synagogue as was his custom. He had habits. John 8.1-2 says, but Jesus went to Mount Olives at dawn. He appeared again in the temple courts. Again, appeared in the temple courts again. Here he is again. This is his habit. Mark 10.1, Jesus had left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, Crowds of people came to talk to him, as was his custom. He's got a fair few habits. And some of my favourite is when, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. One of his habits is you don't get in trouble and accused of being a glutton and a drunk unless you're hanging around those people all the time. That was a habit. He's hanging around the, the perceived sinners. often portrayed as he would just come and go, but you don't get accused of these things. You don't get watched unless you have these habits. The New Testament is full of habits, as I've just explained in Romans and Peter, so I won't go into that. But I will ask, what are your habits? In 2023, if you were to map out your life, again, this isn't a judgment thing, it's a reflection exercise, and I encourage you to do it more than just for three seconds this morning. What are your habits in 2023? What did you do repeatedly? And what was it shaping you into? Again, if you've done like me, you've gone, I'll just flick through social media, it's 8.30, then I'll go to bed, I'll have an early night. And then it's 2am and you're still flicking through it. I'm guilty of that too. Again, it's not some heinous, evil crime, but... In reality, what's it doing to you? What's it shaping in you? What, what are those stories? What are those things telling you? What are they doing in you? Substance, drinking, things. What's it, what's it doing to you over time? What's it shaping you into? These habits, gambling. These are more directly damaging, obvious ones, but little and big ones. What are your habits? What's it doing to you? Who are you going to become in 40 years? Who are you going to become in the future? Who is, who is shaping you? What you often and repeatedly do will shape you. Even, as I said, doing nothing will shape you. So that's a choice as well. The difference is, Christian, you get to choose who shapes you. You are free from the patterns of this world. You get to choose to have your mind renewed in the ways of Jesus. And so really quickly, we have this book and I want to give you some practical examples. I am not holier than now giving you examples from my life. I've just been able to do this reflection and some things I'd like to do this year. So they're just going to come up. You may not be able to read them, but let me... So I've just been thinking about, for me, 
Again, you don't have to do this, but I've used this template in here and I want to daily invite God, more importantly, his, well, just as important, invite God through his spirit into each day to begin the day with an invitation. So for me personally, instead of waking up and looking at my phone, instead of telling the kids to go back to bed because it's only 5am and they don't need to be fully dressed for school, instead of that being the first thing I do, now I can do that after. Just a moment to go, hey God, are you, are you joining me today? Would you join me today? I know you're waiting. I'd love to have you as a part of my day. And help me go a bit easier on the kids, even though it's 2am in the morning and they're dressed and lights on. No, it's not quite that bad, but let me be easy on them. And help me not to look at my phone, God. Let me have a conversation with my wife and my kids before I go to the phone. So that's just something I want to commit to. And I want people to help me. I'm going to get a community around me that can help me and me help them. Personalised Bible reading. I read the Bible a lot for my job. I've got to remember to read the Bible for me and God. Um, I struggle with that just as much as maybe you do too. I have to prepare sermons, so I read the Bible, but I often forget to ask God what he wants to say to me. So there's a little app called Lectio 365, I think it is, and it has a daily reading. Um, I want to do that daily. And then there's some relationship stuff. I want to have weekly date nights. And then there's work finance stuff. And there's a whole list of things and categories I won't go into right now, but have a think with your family, with your partner, with your small table, what are your habits this year? And is it forming you in the ways of Jesus? Second formational factor is community. Mark 3, 13 14 to 14 says, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to them those he wanted, intentional, and then came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach. John 13, a new commandment, I give you, love one another. We explored this a couple of weeks ago as I've loved you. So that you must love one another, talking about tight-knit community. Matthew 18, for where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. Jesus, and then the New Testament has like the likes of Acts 2.42 and other verses. There's this idea that you are the average of who, the, they say you are the average of the top five people you hang around. That's not biblical, whether that's true or not, I like it. I read it on the internet somewhere, so it must be true. I just like, the, I think it's a good principle. Top five people you hang around, you're the average of. Jesus knew that community was how you make disciples, is how you be a disciple. And so he had crowds. He had the big moments and they were fun. Everyone got fed and there was leftovers. Everyone got healed and saw miracles. And then he had his 12. And then we know he had his three and four. And he took them up the mountain and he taught them and he was intentional with them. So I am not saying your community needs to be 100 people. Come and celebrate here at the church and do this. I'm not saying every single person needs to go around in this church and tell you how to live your life right now. Let's all line up. Who's first? I'm saying find some trusted people within this church that can keep you accountable, that can honestly challenge you and say, hey, I've noticed these patterns. And you can do the same. And you grow together. And then you come and celebrate at things like this. We call them small tables and large tables. Both have a use. One is worship, celebration, eating sausage sizzles. The small one is getting together 
and we're going to concentrate on them this year. I want to be a church that I don't want to be a church that has small tables. I would love to be a collection of small tables that has a church or that is a church. How cool if 99% of us could say right now, and I know we can't, we have people in our life, we have predictable patterns with that speak into our life and we speak into theirs. And we are growing and being shaped by that. That is the vision for this year. And we're going to do some serious things in this church to try to allow that to happen. Got some plans around that. So who's your small table? Who's allowed to speak into your life and say, hey, I don't appreciate the way you just spoke to your wife then or vice versa. Hey, I noticed the other day you guys were maybe not on the spot, but call you up on it. Who's allowed to say that to you? Who's allowed in my life to say, Steve, that wasn't, that, we're at the barbecue the other day, that wasn't the nicest way. That would hurt. I'd be super defensive, but I would want people in my life to say, you're right, it was unkind or it was sharp or it was whatever it is for you. Do you have people allowed to speak into your life like that? You only need three or four. Who's your small table? I put in bold, you can't see my notes, but it says, we are going hard on this this year. <laughs> Twenty twenty four, again, rule of life. You won't accidentally trip over and land in someone's house, and there'll be afternoon tea, morning tea, dinner, lunch. Then you'll ask each other deep questions, and then you'll go home feeling discipled and discipling. That will not accidentally happen. I'm sorry, I've seen churches try to accidentally do that for years, and I've never seen it. Just oops, oh, I tripped. How have you been going with your walk with Jesus? It has to be intentional. Make every effort. Not because God's like, oh, finally, I love, I, I love them more because they're doing that. No, so we can hear what he's doing in our life. It's powerful. I'm not going to go on it now. We had two stories la- yesterday, last Sunday, that blew me away. I was reminded again that God is in it all. And I said to God, I want to be more of that. Stuff that you was bigger than coincidences last week. There's coincidences, and then there was Sunday last week at church. It was God. I want to be part of that. And so I want to make every effort. I want to commit to some people this year. And then the final one today. I understand it's a bit more practical than my sermons normally. But if you can't tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. And I appreciate you taking this in. I know it's a lot of information this morning. Story. The story you're telling yourself. Narrative, the story you live under. I'm actually not going to read these, but I can send them to you. The whole New Testament, the whole Jesus story is him telling a story. Is him telling a story that's happening. Hey, this is what they say. This is reality. Hey, this is what the world thinks is true. This is truer than true. The Pharisees had a story. I think lots of Christians can fall into the Pharisee trap. We treat life like time zone. You just got to defeat all the games and get as many tickets. And we think that when we get to heaven, we'll get to give our tickets over and choose our prize. That way of thinking is going to form you into a very anxious person. If you constantly think God is annoyed that you're not doing enough, that you're not enough, that his cross, his sacrifice wasn't enough, that's religion. That's works. You will become so anxious in your formation you'll never feel like you've done enough we see that in this world of production 
culture. We're always proud of how busy we are, how much we'll achieve. That's the world's narrative. Jesus' narrative wasn't that. He said, it's finished. My burden is light. Make every effort, but walk with me. Maybe the narrative of this world is we're completely random. And so if we're completely random, there's no purpose, then why not use people? Why not squeeze every resource out of this world and every person because we're kind of just an accident? Like, I understand, if you're living in that story, why not? Think Fallout Boy, which is probably the only time I'm going to quote Fallout Boy, and it's an obscure reference, but it just came to me. They have this lyric that says, let the good times show in case God doesn't... Um, let the good times flow in case God doesn't show. Why not? If he's not showing up, if he's not real, if it's just a random thing, why not? Accumulate, accumulate, use, 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 but I, I don't believe that's the re- reality, but you can see that in this world. Or as I said, the marketing machine winds up in this world and the moment you step out, you're not enough because you don't have this product, you don't subscribe to this lifestyle, or you're not this identity. For me, I can't talk for you, but I know many of you would agree. Just look in here. For me, the gospel is my story I want to know more. I forget it all the time. The good news. That we are not random. That we are created for a purpose. Where Jesus has already won all the tickets. The ticket machine's empty because he won them all on the cross for you he won you back and we are back with the father and his spirit so i don't need to achieve anything to save myself or prove anything i don't need to be good i don't even need to subscribe to whoever's in the room with the loudest voice and thinks they are right that's not the person i'm a disciple under Instead, I don't want to be good. I want to be more like Jesus. Which is good. (laughs) True good. I can look to Jesus with guidance and his spirit and his word and within healthy community and walk a path in and with him. I am loved. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am rescued and I am free to make that choice. And I want to, need to put effort in to remind myself of that every chance I get. Because the world is phenomenal at telling you the absolute opposite. They're fantastic at it. They're fantastic disciple-making machines. We need to be fantastic disciple-making machines for Jesus. So I need a rule of life. What well, I don't need a rule of life. There's heaps of tools. Rule of life is just an idea. It's, just, it's not a rule as in law. It's a ruler like a trestle for a vineyard, trellis for a vineyard. You can tell I've done lots of great farming. (laughs) So apologies if you run a vineyard. Come and correct me. Um, But my understanding of rule of life is meant to be measure your life and are you becoming who you want to become. So it's not a law of life. It's a rule of life. So for me, I need to put moments in my life where I remember who God is. I said again, replace mourning. And you can probably tell my themes and my convictions just based on my rule of life. But it says, replace mornings and some evening scrolling with apps like Levecto, Levictio, Lectio 365 and personal Bible app usage. So you can tell I have a little bit of an issue with using my phone too much as a form of relaxation. 
I'll, it's not evil, but I need to manage that and make sure God's story is my main story. Listen to Christian sermons I've put fortnightly, to Christian leadership podcasts of fortnight. Listen to other leaders, listen to other pastors, be ministered to. And then I've said more uh, in monthly, reduce my phone usage to the point that I'm going back to. Many of you will know when I was, you thought I was trying to be a hipster. I was a little bit, but I had a dumb phone. Um, I'm going back. I'm going back, baby. So Nokia, uh, the brick, indestructible, I'm going back. Just so I go to go, you know, in the bathroom maybe. I don't do this, but I've heard people do this. Um, and, or you're somewhere in line where you could be talking to a person in front of you, behind you. You pull out your phone. I'd love to pull out my dumb phone and be severely disappointed that I have to stand there in the moment in silence and maybe talk to the people around me. That's my formation, my reflection. What is it for you this morning? Who are you becoming? What is shaping you? I've put here lots of info in this, Steve. I'm talking to myself. Maybe too much, <laughs> I've put. I've literally written ha, 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 ha. But let's chat on this. Let's chew on this. We're not going to stop talking about this this year. A lot of information to process. Who is shaping you? What's shaping you? Who are you becoming? Church is meant to be, meant to be. I'm not saying we're not, but we're meant to be that formational group that gets together and says, are we becoming more like Jesus? That's our whole purpose to remind each other of what he's done. And we did that. Communion is the most beautiful example. And that's, of course it is, because it's Jesus' invention. But it covers all three. He says, hey, you guys are going to forget what I did for you. So let's take, okay, wine and bread. I know they'll be around in 2,000 years. And you're going to remember me and what I did. A habit, a community, and a story. That's true. His invention, that's why we do it every week here. You are loved, you're saved, you're rescued. Let me pray. Grab one of these, get ready to explore and hear a lot of this this year. And let's explore what it means to abide as a church and build and have built in us a good and beautiful life with him. Yes, we talked last week. Yes, it'll have struggles, but we'll grow through that. Amen. Ben's going to come up and sing one more song. We're also going to have John join us on the organ for this song. But let me pray. Come on up and we'll sing one more song. Father God, there's an invitation this morning to consider 2023. Consider the habits we formed, the community we kept or committed to, and the story we told ourselves. What gospel did we tell ourselves in the sense? This morning I pray we take a ruler and we just measure our calendar of 2023 and say, who are we actually becoming? And we repent. If we're becoming more anxious, if we're becoming more busy, if we're becoming trying to prove ourselves to society or their gods, or we're trying to prove stuff to our God. What are we becoming? And in, in, at the end of 2024, will we look more like you? 
where we produce the fruit that it says, God, let us produce the fruit that you say in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. God knows I need those things. God knows this world needs those things. You know, God, we need these things. We need these things in this world. We need more patience. We need more self-control. May this be a church, God, that just grows these things. Prune us sometimes. Grow us in other times. And may we be fruitful and effective towards your kingdom now and forever. Amen.